You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Oh, let's get into it this morning. We've got a heap of things going on this morning. It's such an exciting morning. Let me, um, let's just start in the gospel with a story. Easter Sunday, Luke 24, you can read along or you can close your eyes, whatever you feel comfortable doing. On the final day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living, love this, among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified on the third day, be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna Mary, the mother of James, and the others were with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Love this picture. It is a lesson in there. This is not the sermon title, anything to do with it. It is a lesson. There is a lesson about listening to women in there. Uh, the first preachers, essentially, of the gospel right there. And maybe they should have taken a bit more notice to what they said, but that's not my sermon today. Sermon today is around Peter here. I love Peter here. Peter's not interested in hearing someone else's testimony. Peter's not interested in someone else's story. He's like, that's great for you. But the moment he hears that the tomb is empty, he is out of there, running straight to that tomb to see for himself. He hears this unbelievable, nonsense-like news, but he doesn't just want to hear a witness account. He doesn't just want to hear someone else's story. He wants to see it for himself. He runs down to the tomb, and I can just imagine what that would be like, seeing the rock rolled away, going, how on earth? You can imagine butterflies in his stomach as he starts to get excited. What's going on? He has an inkling, but what's going on here? He sees the tomb empty. He goes in. He's not interested in seeing outside. It shows that he goes in. He looks around, checks Jesus isn't just hiding behind anywhere. It's empty. Imagine the excitement. Could it be? He goes through the strips of clothing. I'm not sure why. Maybe he thought maybe Jesus shrunk. Maybe he's under there hiding. Maybe the ladies didn't look properly. So he goes through, has a look. Can you imagine what he's thinking? What if? What if all those things Jesus had promised, had said was going to happen, is actually happening right now? His mind would be racing, wouldn't it? He would have been filled with hope. Filled with hope. 
Not hope based on nothing, but tangible hope based on what he could see and observe. An empty tomb, the linen left over, the rock rolled away. He had tangible hope. And his mind would have been filled with the words and promises of Jesus for the last three years. Could it be, he thought, what if he has risen? This is, for this just short moment this morning, this is my heart for us this morning. For Easter. On what in simple terms is a message that I actually preach. Jesus dying, rose again, the gospel every single week. Funny enough, in some shape, way or form. But this morning, my heart for this morning is that we don't just hear, don't just hear someone else's 2,000-year-old testimony, although that's awesome, that we don't just hear other people's experience of the empty tomb. My heart this morning that this Easter you would consider what that empty tomb means for you right now. That you would run to it. That you would want to explore it yourself. Pick up the linen, see that it's empty and find out what it means for you. I love the way 1 Peter describes it up here. 1 Peter 13 says it beautifully. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. A living hope. I love that. Not a hope that is someone else's that we carry. A living, active, tangible hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A living, active hope. Why? Because he is alive. He is living. So, so is our hope. I've called this a tangible and transformative living hope. Now, I know today, I just want to read the room for a moment. I know today that there's many different people here this morning. Um, and you'll come with different backgrounds. Some of you are every Sunday, as my wife said. Some of you are every now and then. Totally fine. Some of you have been dragged along this morning. You have to come to church. It's Easter by your parents or your grandparents. That's okay. Welcome. You're here now. <laughs> Whatever your story. Maybe you accidentally walked in. You thought the op shop was open today. I don't mind, but you found yourself here. This morning, this is what I want to talk about. You might have questions about the historical facts surrounding the open tomb. That's not what we're probably going to cover today. Not because I can't find any, but there is too many and it's a message in itself. But I want to give you a way to do a bit of a Peter and run and explore. So please, if you do have questions about the historical evidence, the witness account, of Jesus' resurrection, come have a chat to me. I love that conversation. Also, we also have a couple of people in our church. Uh, James, you, many of you will know one of our elders, was a science teacher and has studied a lot around apologetics. And Malcolm, a fairly new member of our church as well, studied apologetics as well. That is around defending the faith, looking into the evidence around these things. And believe me, some have said there's more evidence that this happened than Julius Caesar even existed. There is evidence. That's not what this morning's about, though. 
But if you're curious, come have a chat. One more recommendation. You'll see a little bookshelf out there. We have a couple of copies of a book called The Case for Christ. If you're curious about it, just grab it. Bring it back so someone else can use it, but just go ahead and grab it and uh, look through that bookshelf and read that. That's a great a, um, forensic scientist set out to disprove this and became a Christian. So again, not the message this morning, but I do want to give you a pathway forward if you are curious and you want to check out the tomb yourself, a bit like Peter running down there. This morning I'm interested in how does this apply to you today? What does the risen Christ mean for you right now? And I just want to do that in three simple invitations. Is that all right? Even if you've just walked in because you thought the op shop was open, is that all right? You're here now? (laughs) Amen. All right. A living, tangible and transformative hope. The first place a living hope can affect your life today is for your past. A living hope for your past. You might say, how does that offer me anything right now? Good question. But tell me, how many of you sitting here right now, whether you admit it or not, your life has been shaped around one little comment a teacher made, negative or positive? How many of you have been shaped by your parents and how much they loved or cared for you? An event, maybe an event that happened in a church. Maybe you're here this morning and you're nervous about being here because churches bring up a whole heap of stuff in your past. You're worried you're going to get told off. You're worried the roof's going to cave in because someone somewhere said something. So don't tell me your past doesn't affect now. But a living hope, a living and active, tangible and transformative hope means it affects your past to start. Let me read a story to better explain this of Jesus, the risen Christ, with Peter on the beach after he's royally stuffed up pretty much the entire weekend. Peter ruined the very first Easter. And then here he is on the beach with Jesus and look at how Jesus, look what Jesus wants to do to his past. John 15, 21. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? If you don't know, Simon was his first name. Jesus renamed him Peter. And so him saying Simon Peter shows where Peter's heart is. It's a little unsure. And if you don't know, Peter absolutely denied Jesus three times. He said, I don't even know the guy. How dare you say I know the guy as Jesus got crucified? So you can imagine he's a little shaky. He's a little shaky when Jesus says, Oi, Simon, Peter, come here. He says to him, Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Go, do, be. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John. Jesus poking a bit here. Do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, Do you love me, he said? Look, you know all things. You know that I love you? Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger and dressed yourself and went where you wanted, 
when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this is to indicate the kind of death which they say Peter might have been crucified upside down. But either way, we do know that he was a martyr. And so he eventually did back up this love um, in a very real way. But Jesus on the beach there is not interested in his past, interested in his mistakes. He wants to redeem him. He wants to make him new again. He's not interested in what that school teacher said about you. He's not interested in what that church person did. Oh, he is interested, sorry. But he doesn't define you by all the mistakes you've made. I'm so thankful he doesn't define me by the mistakes I made this week. The risen cross means he's died for that. And on Friday, we, we did that. We did a bit of confession. I confessed that my grumpy dad sins. You had to be there, but have a listen if that's got you curious. So I put up sometimes a bit of a grumpy dad. I need to just control myself and stress less and let go sometimes. That was my confession. But you know, Jesus doesn't see me as that. He's risen. And so I can't burn these. That would have been cool, right? But we've got fire restrictions and stuff like that. But what might be, I'll just chuck them. Because these things don't define you when you're in Jesus. He died for them. He turned what was an ancient symbol for death and a symbol for empire and he redeemed it to be something we wear as jewellery, a symbol of hope. What do you think he wants to do with you and your past if he can do that to two bits of wood? The living hope means you don't have to live in your past. Yes, it still hurts. But if you run to him in the empty tomb this morning, he can redeem you, he can restore you, he can bring life to dry bones. Amen? Oh, good kids. Love having you in church. (laughs) That one's a bit sticky, but he still paid for it. A living hope. Oh, they're all sticking over me. Wow, I might have to read that one. Um, A living hope. A living, tangible, transformative hope. Number two, where it can affect your life is the future. A living hope for the future. Mate, like, the future is scary. <laughs> Has anyone turned on the news lately? It sounds like the start of a line, a comedy line. Anyone seen the news lately? But has anyone seen the news lately? The future, anyone else want to admit the future is looking a little scary? Just me? Wars, rumours of wars, rumours and speculations of complete financial collapse. Really hard financial times. Our food help here has doubled, if not tripled, over the last few months. It is tough out there. It is scary. It is hard. New diseases at every corner. I I read something about them unthawing like a 4,000-year-old disease they found. That sounds fun (laughs) and scary. More hatred and division than we've seen ever. Everyone's divided. Crazy dictators with nukes in other countries. The future freaks me out a little. And when we're met with that, we have two options. There's only really two options we can do when it comes to looking at the future. One is we pretend. We pretend we have some sort of control. Maybe we do a bit of prepping. I'm not knocking this. 
Maybe put a couple of extra baked beans away. Six liters of water. Again, if that's you, that's, I'm not having a deep yeah. But we try to control things, don't we? I reckon one of the ways we try to control things is information. We just info, 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 info. We think if we know what's going on, somehow we'll control some crazy dictator with a nuclear warhead. We think because we stayed up to one o'clock watching YouTube clips around what's really going on. I'm speaking to myself here. <laughs> we think that that'll control it somehow. It, spoiler alert, it won't. It won't control it at all. It's so easy to live in fear and constant distrust, anger and anxiety. Or we can lean into the power of the empty tomb, which says Jesus has ultimate control. You have control over what you do with your actions, but over eternity, Jesus has ultimate control. Not just over the weather in a storm, not just over water and wine at a wedding. The empty tomb says he has control over life and death. The tomb means that he's in control of tomorrow. So take a breath this morning. This is good news. No matter how dark this all gets, no matter how bad things seem in this season, the tangible, transformative hope of the tomb says the worst thing the world can do to us is kill us. And even he's got control over that. It's kind of like the cheat codes. I know lots of you may not game, but we've got the respawn codes. It's still horrible. Death is still scary and horrible. I'm not saying that. But when you're in Jesus, you know who holds the keys of what comes next. A living hope. We're going to be okay. The book of Revelation, some people, and again, not knocking this, they do the mass, they carry the 10, and they've planned out what every single horn and eyebrow of any monster in Revelation means, and they try to control it. And that's okay, that's fun, that's cool. But the message of Revelation, I tell you the message of Revelation, it's in the end, he wins. So go ahead, count eyebrows, count horns, work out which, see, that's okay, that's fun, right? But as long as you don't miss that in the end, he wins. In the end, he wins. So whatever you're going through, in the end, he wins. He wins. We're okay. Whatever this throws at us, he wins. He holds the keys to death and life. And what do you think he's going to do with them? Because he's a good God. A living hope for the future. Lastly, it's a living hope for today. A living hope for today. The empty tomb, the absolute offensive, world-changing, calendar-setting, formative event of the resurrection has power today. Has power right now. Before I speak to this, I want to clarify what I mean by power. What I'm actually asking you to run towards. What am I saying? What do you got hope in, you might be saying? Because it does offer you a redemption. I've talked about that for your past. It does offer you a hope for the future. But these are just byproducts of the empty tomb. The, 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 not the cell. The thing I would love us to think about today and consider is the hope is in the person that's still alive. It's in the king that is risen. 
That's a little bit confusing. Let me say it this way, a little bit more straightforward. (laughs) These things are really sticking to me. (laughs) That business, that bank account, that celebrity, that health guru and his ice baths, that tech guru and their ice baths, that political position, that empire, that hero, that tradition, that perceived, that degree, that education. Not evil things, by the way. I'm not having a go at any of that stuff. But one day, they'll be dead. Or rust and moth will destroy. That thing that you're holding on to will pass, will be gone. That hero whether they're going to take us to Mars or they're going to create AI, they're going to die at some stage. So when I say hope, tangible, transformative hope, I'm talking about the king that did die and rose again. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying hope in a product. I'm saying hope in a person, God and his present spirit. Amen? So this morning, don't consider a product. Don't consider a thing that you'll get consider putting your hope in a tangible personhood of Christ and his spirit. This means, though, this low-level exhaustion for those that are exhausted after the COVID season, for those of you that have come in today and you barely made it here today because you're done, you're tired. Maybe it is the financial stuff. Things are tight. Maybe you're sad, you're really sad. Maybe your heart grieves for a loss. Maybe your heart grieves for someone that isn't here today. They're alive, but you're not here today. And you're like, I wish they were here with me in Easter. I wish they knew the hope of Jesus. And maybe every night and every morning you wake up and they're the first person you think of because your heart aches for them to know the tangible, transformative, living hope of Jesus. Maybe it's a health we have in this church a lot of health stuff going on. Maybe that's what you're carrying around today. We all would have walked in carrying different things today. Please know this morning, not just for Peter, not just for the person beside you, that living, active hope is for you today. He is risen. The same merciful, forgiving, loving Christ that died on that cross for you back then, his spirit stirs with us today. So what do we do with this? I just want to read the last picture just after Peter explores the tomb. And I think it's a beautiful picture, a real tangible step if you're stirred today around exploring the living hope afresh. John 24, 36. It's just moments after, or days after, sorry, but it's after in Scripture. John 24, 36. They're all in this house. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled, of course, and frightened, and they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? 
Why do you doubt arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. See me. Come at me. (laughs) See me. Touch me and see. For a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones as I see that I have. And when he had said that, he showed them his hands. He showed them his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, I love that. It's like disbelief, there's belief, there's joy, there's marveling, there's we're not sure, there's sure. Doesn't that sound like a church? (laughs) We're wrestling this thing out because we don't know really what to do with the guy that was dead and is now alive standing with us. And he wants to eat some fish. Literally, that's where it goes. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. Here it would be and we gave him a sausage. Graham gave him a sausage after it was cooked and he ate it and we saw, yeah, he's, he's alive. And then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you and everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day raised from the dead and the repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The past should be proclaimed in the name of all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. Stay in the city until you are clothed with a power from all high. He's talking about the spirit that will come. My invitation, I guess, is a very tangible, hopefully, and very practical. Find a community like that. If you are sitting here and you're feeling, I want to know Jesus more, and you want to run to the tomb and you want to explore this and you're confused. Maybe you're not even sure. Maybe you want to go get the Case for Christ book that I spoke about. Maybe you're not even sure why we have a cross up here. Maybe you're not sure about the purple thing. I don't know what's going on, but you're in good company because that's exactly how they felt when Jesus walked amongst them. But you know there's something there in there. You know there's something real, true, and there's a way here. So join us. This isn't a plug for church. This is a plug for Jesus following community. Because we, I have my days. I'm like, what do what is, I actually do? I get up and speak on Sundays. And what a strange thing I do. I have my days where I'm like, what do I actually do? What is this thing? We have doubts. We wrestle with each other. We disagree over non-important stuff. And we come together and we say, here we gather, we grow. And then this is the last bit today, we go. We go because we carry the living hope outwards and we resurrect things. We see empty tombs. We see people we never thought would know Jesus come to Jesus. We see people never, we never thought could be healed, be healed. Again, it's not the byproduct. We don't do it to get that. We do it because of the king. But he does stuff like that all the time. We're going to hear a story in a moment. But I want to tell another quick story and highlight one other person, embarrass them. Um, sorry, Danielle, <laughs> who was giving me a look. Please don't be me. Danielle over here, a couple of years ago, um, came and found us through the op shop. And she, like many, but maybe more than many, is really going through some stuff at the moment. Like really going through some stuff, if you don't mind me saying. But she's here with us. She's wrestling She's doing a couple of casual shifts for it and she's smashing it. She's rocking up each day because she knows there's a living hope here. And then this morning as I'm thinking through, God, give me some sort of example. 
Give me some sort of way to land this. I get this text from her. And I thought it was an individual one, but it wasn't. It's a group text. Happy Easter. Just letting everyone know that there's a sausage sizzle and stuff on today after church if anyone feels like heading down or up to our little church in Burley. If not, all good. Wishing you all a wonderful day with friends and family remembering what it's really about. From me and mine to you and yours, much love and God bless. She got baptised almost a year ago now. Living hope. It's rough in life and moment, but she serves a king. And you know what? This morning, I want other people to know about it, so I'll send them a group text. Probably forget Pastor Steve's in her group text, texting. I'm not trying to make this overcomplicated because it's not, he came to us. He walked amongst us. He walked in rooms where he fed him fish and he showed us his hands and feet. I invite you to explore this morning. I invite you to go run to the tomb. See for yourself. If you've got something better that's going to last forever, that's giving you hope, come and have a chat to me. I'm curious. I've given you my pitch. But I guarantee, like the last 2,000 years of trying to squash this thing, it's not going to be better than Jesus and what he's done. Amen? Let me pray for us. Say about that. Um, I'm going to get us to stand while I pray. And then we're going to hear one more story this morning. And then we're going to baptise that person. Father God, I don't know where we stand this morning. So hard to encapsulate a lifetime. Millions of lives changed over 2,000 years from this event into a 25-minute message. So Father, I pray you do it for me. I pray your Holy Spirit sits with us, that we wrestle with those holes in your hands, that we wrestle with those questions around an empty tomb, that we would dare pick up the cloth and see where it is, what is, and see what's in that tomb and see the stone rolled away. We'd run to it. That it wouldn't be a 2,000-year-old story for someone else, it would be a story for us. The empty tomb would be transformative to our past and we would be redeemed. It'd be transformative to our future and that we'd be a non-anxious presence because we know who wins. And it would be transformative on Sunday morning in 2023 because you're in the business of redeeming, resurrecting and giving life. And then may we be a living hope through text, (laughs) through whatever means as we wrestle this thing out and follow your ways. You are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. In Jesus' name, amen.